Good morning. My name is Michael. I grew up in a town called Gateshead in the northeast of England. And when I lived there, when I was a teenager, I had a job. Something you might be surprised about, someone from the northeast of England, but nevertheless, it was true. <laughs> I had a job and I worked for the local milkman. I was a milk boy. My job was to ride along on the back of the milk wagon and deliver the milk to people's doors. Ladies and gentlemen, I am personally responsible for the consumption of thousands, probably millions of bowls of cornflakes across Gateshead. Now, so we deliver milk in the morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday was payday. So in the evening, we would go around and trap the doors of the people we deliver the milk to and relieve them of their hard-earned cash. Now, Obviously, there would be a fee for the, for the milk that we delivered, but sometimes if the, uh, the, per, the customer had felt that we'd done a particularly good job that week, he or she might choose to give us a small tip to, to say thank you. This wouldn't usually be much, as you can imagine. It's maybe 10p or 20p, or if we'd done a really, really good job, hadn't broken any of the eggs or anything, we might get 50p for a tip. And um, so this would go on, and then myself and Ron, the milkman, we would usually buy ourselves a bag of chips, um, at, the end of the, at the end of the Friday night to reward ourselves. But then, oh, as time went on, I, I noticed a strange phenomenon. We would deliver all across the neighbourhoods. We'd deliver to the, the, the poorer avenues. We'd deliver in the richer estates. And I began to notice that the people who were much more likely to tip were the people who tended to live in the, the poorer places rather than the richer places. And I, 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 I mentioned this to, to run. It, see, it's, as it seems that the people who are, I probably didn't use this language as a 13-year-old, but um, as it seems to be the people that are they're, um, the least able to give seem to give more. It seems that the richer people are a bit stingy. And Ron said, as he munched on his chips, well, maybe they're rich because they're stingy. <laughs> now, according to kind of what you, what you might describe as worldly thinking, that if you scrimp and save, if you uh, make every penny a prisoner, save it all up, keep it back for yourself, that would seem to be the case, wouldn't it? If you do that, you're much more likely to become rich. However, this, friends, is not biblical thinking at all. Biblical thinking says that if you want to be rich, truly rich, then you must be generous. Anything that God has blessed you with, you must be keen and proactive to give away to those around you. And so, we're just gonna we're gonna read a parable um, that Jesus that Jesus told uh, to help illustrate this. And I'm gonna I hope to bring you to the place at the end of the um, at the end of this uh, talk. To sh- I want you to be thinking that generosity. It's not just to be generous, it's to be wise. But to be stingy is foolish. Not even just foolish, but it is madness. So that's where we hope to get to by the end of the the talk. And it's called Wisdom of Generosity. So let's, uh, if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles, if you have them, uh, to Luke chapter 12. And we're going to read from verses uh, 13 to 34. So I'll give you a moment. The words should come up behind me if they're not already. Okay. So here we go. Someone in the crowd said to him, him being Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, 
Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The crowd of a certain man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, or you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In order to get to grips, of the wisdom of generosity, we need to really understand what our possessions are. The biblical view of possessions, whether that be uh, actually things we own, money in the bank, or even just our time, our resources, the skills and strength we might have, is this, is that they are all gifts from God. And we cannot keep any of them. Some of them will be taken back in this life But none of them will be ours as we go into the next life. God will demand all of them back from us. You might even not understand them as a gift, maybe maybe even more of a loan. Temporarily passing through your your possession. And so, and Jesus' priority is not that you might have a lot of stuff. It's not that you might be richly blessed. Jesus' priority in coming to the, to the earth is first of all that you might receive eternal life. You might be introduced back to the Father. And secondly, that, that you would use this life to become more Christ-like. And this, to some degree, I think, explains Jesus' quite rough response to the request that the man in the crowd gives him. He sees Jesus as a as a traveling rabbi and uh, one of the jobs that a lot of traveling rabbis did was to um, was to make was to interpret the law as it was written in the old testament and uh, and give rulings on on disputes uh, in everyday life and this would be one of them clearly he's got a disagreement with his brother about an inheritance he thinks he should have more than he's got he wants jesus to arbitrate between them but jesus is not interested 
He says, what has that got to do with me? Now, this, this, I think this is quite a hard teaching for us to accept as Christians because one of the things that we, we think about a lot, we pray about a lot, is God's plan for our life. And to be honest, I, don't think, I honestly don't think I've ever heard anybody say that I think God's plan for my life is to be, to be poor, to be humiliated, and to have a generally rough time of it. I honestly don't think I've, generally speaking, I think people believe that God's plan for their life is to be blessed, to have great relationships and all this kind of thing. And, and I, think, I think it is. But what, I, what I'm saying is that it, these things, these blessings, these earthly blessings aren't necessarily God's priority for us. God's priority for us is to become more and more Christ-like. I read an interview with uh, a man called Tim Farron this week. And Tim Farron is the new leader of the Liberal Democrats, the political party. And he was being interviewed by The Guardian, and this guy is a Christian. And uh, The Guardian wanted to, was to ask him a little bit about his Christian faith. And they asked him, what do you think is God's plan for your life? And Tim Farron answered wisely. He, I think the, the, the reporter wanted him to say something like, God's plan is for me to be the next prime minister or something like that. This is what he, I think it's, I mean, I think we all know it's quite unlikely, but um, um, the, the, uh, his, uh, his response is this. He says, maybe God's plan is for me to lose a bunch of elections and be humbled. Maybe, maybe that is God's plan for him. Maybe God's plan for us isn't that we would be rich, successful, and have lots of wonderful things, but maybe God's plan is to make us more Christ-like. Luke spoke last week on Job. Job's most famous words are the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. God reserves the right to give to us and to take from us. And we have no response to him to say that he has been unjust to us in any way. The sobering truth, folks, don't worry, it will get a bit better soon. But the sobering truth is this, that God owes us nothing. And God will never be your debtor. With one exception. This is what it says in Proverbs 19, verse 17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. It doesn't say he is kind to the poor gives to the Lord, say he lends to him. Now this implies to me that there is some kind of moral obligation on God's part to pay back what has been given. If you take a loan from a bank, you've got to pay it back. If you loan a DVD or a book to your friend, it's an understanding they're going to give it back to you. In the same way, God seems to be saying through this Proverbs, is that he will pay back kindness that is done for the poor. Jesus backs this up in the passage that we just read. Verses 33 to 34. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. I'm going to give an illustration to show this. For this illustration, you've got to imagine for a second, only for a second, that I am God. And me being God with my abundant resources, infinite resources, I have decided to bless George here with two pounds. Yeah. 
So George will have two pounds. Now George, being a diligent kind of guy, he, uh, he puts his two pounds to work, and, um, and by the end of his life, he has gained three more pounds. Well done, George. You've done really well. Um, but, but, but sadly, George's day has come to an end, and uh, as I said before, he can't take it any of it with him. And so me being God will have that fi- now five pounds back. Thank you very much. Now this time, me being God, search the face of the earth. Search out the most righteous man I can possibly find. So I'm going to search out the most righteous man I can possibly find. And I'm going to find this gentleman here. Sorry, I don't know your name, sir. What's your name? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel just looks like a righteous kind of guy, doesn't he? <laughs> so now I'm going to give Emmanuel this five pounds. But Emmanuel, being a righteous, being a God with us kind of guy, he, he says, well, do you know what? I just, I can't keep it. I can't, I can't keep it. I'm going to distribute it amongst the poor and needy. So go, go ahead, Emmanuel. You go ahead and distribute that five pounds. <laughs> so off you go. Good man. Okay. Well done. Now, so at the end of Emmanuel's days, I being God, I go and find Emmanuel. I say, what have you done with that five pounds I'll give you? And uh, where is it, Emmanuel? Uh, you, dis- you distributed it amongst the poor and needy, didn't you? Good man. Now this is the crazy generosity of God. By this, by this uh, logic, I, God, now owe Emmanuel five pounds. <laughs> In eternity. Now, I know it doesn't work exactly. Thanks, Mike, by the way. You're, very, you're a good sport. I know it doesn't work exactly like that. I know that when we get to heaven, I, I, I don't believe there's going to be come, some kind of bill which says you have given precisely this amount away. You've been kind with this amount. This, that is exactly the amount that you're going to receive in eternity. I know it doesn't work exactly like that. But the principle is true. And the principle has got to be even greater. If we, as believers are kind and give away what God has given to us, the treasure that we will receive in heaven will be abundantly more than, than, we, than we gave away on earth. And not only that, is that anything that you give away on earth, it's perishing. It's not going to last forever. What you receive in eternity will last forever. For my, my work, my, my everyday work, I, I run a business which installs renewable energy systems. And one of the questions that people always have to ask me is this. What's the payback time? How long will it take for the investment that I've made to pay for itself in savings? And usually, you know, I go away and I do my sums and I say it's going to be this long. Five years, maybe six years, whatever it is. Now, I think that's quite a good investment. But if I'm honest... It completely is blown out of the water by the investment that God promises through these words. God promises us eternal rewards, far greater than that which we could have kept from something that wasn't even ours in the first place. Now the rich fool does not understand this. The the church father, Augustine, said this. He said, He did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. The rich fool has been blinded. His spiritual eyes 
have him blinded so that he fails to see that this harvest that he brought in, it wasn't of his making, it was a gift from God. His physical eyes failed to see that he didn't even bring the harvest in himself. I'm quite sure that he didn't pick up his scythe and bring in all those crops himself. He would have had employees, maybe slaves, that did it for him. At least partially the harvest belonged to them. But no, the language of the rich man, the rich fool, shows that he's completely failed to understand this. He sees the harvest as his and his alone. His language is I, me, mine. What shall I do with my crop? I'll tear down my barns. So why is this? Why does the rich man fail to see? Well, the sad truth is that the rich man has, ha- has already been blinded by wealth. This harvest, it didn't make him rich. He was already rich. Jesus describes a rich man at the start. And he had for years been bowing down at the altar of the God of money. The God of money is called by Jesus mammon. And like all false gods, it promises much, but it delivers nothing. All it does is harden your hearts, blinds eyes, and imprisons souls. And this rich man, he's had his eyes blinded, and he is... He is uh, living in a prison of mammon's making. Have you ever noticed that wealth divides? It divides physically. Those who are rich are much more likely to live on a a large plot of land far away from neighbours than those who are poor. Isaiah, in the Song of the Vineyard, says this, "'Woe to you who add house to house "'and join field to field.'" until no space is left and you live alone in the land. God's first comment on mankind was this. He says it is not good for man to be alone. Is it sinful to live in a big house? No, I don't think so. Is it sinful to live far away from neighbours? No, it's not. But is it sinful to deliberately cut yourself off from the friends, family that God has put around you? Well, Yeah, it is. And often those two things amount to the same thing. Why is it good to live amongst neighbours? Well, I can just give you just a few examples that uh, just from this week that have happened to me. Um, Where I live, people live close to me. And um, this week I I met one neighbour, a lady, and uh, and she told me the sad news that that she'd been diagnosed with lung cancer and that her her family, her children, were struggling to, to deal with that. Another lady that we've become friends with, um, an, an older lady, she's, she's, she's very lonely and uh, she doesn't see as much of her family as she'd like. And, uh, and she spends most of her time, to be honest, kind of looking out the window and hoping that people will come and stop and chat to her. On slightly happier news, uh, our downstairs neighbours, they, uh, they've recently become grandparents and we've been seeing the, seeing the little ones come and go, which has been really nice. Um, but the point is that... When you live close to people, you're much more likely to, to see them, to be, to be in, a, in a way accountable to them. You know, they, they, I know their lives, they know my life to a degree. It's just good for us. The most harmful division that wealth brings about isn't physical, but it's spiritual. It cuts us off from those around us. 
The, the Charles Dickens book, A Christmas Character, there's a, a, a Christmas Carol, there's a character called Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's the, probably the archetypal miser. It was said of Ebenezer Scrooge, external heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm him. No wintry weather chill him. Because no wind that blew was bitterer than he. No falling snow more intent upon his purpose. No pelting rain, less open to entreaty. Scrooge lived amongst the rich and the poor, but he was shut off from them. Mammon had built up a cage of pound coins around him so that he was blind to the needs of, the, of those around him. The saddest thing, though, is that Mammon doesn't just cut us off from each other. It cuts us off from God. The rich have too much, it says in Proverbs. They disown God and say, who is the Lord? Have you ever tried sharing your faith with somebody who has a lot of stuff? The most consistent response I've ever had from people who have plenty is, I don't think I need God. I think I'm doing okay. Have you ever had that? Jesus said, it's easiest for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. With man, this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. The biblical view isn't that rich to be rich is to be sinful. Absolutely not. If you are rich, it's a good sign that God is blessing you. But it is this. If you are rich, you need to be careful. There is a danger sign over money that we ignore our peril. If you ignore it, mammon will tighten its fingers around you and squeeze faith out of you. If you are rich, and let's face it, we live in a rich country. Within that country, we live in a rich city. Within that city, this church meets in a rich neighborhood. The chances are, if you are here, you have plenty of disposable income. I would encourage you, be careful with what you have. Don't just assume that because those around you have similar amounts that you're not rich. Be careful with what you have. Keep a regular close eye on your incomes, your outgoing. Think to yourself regularly, how could I be more generous with that with which God has blessed me? It's so easy to go down the slippery slope of, you know, why shouldn't I have the slightly bigger house, the flashy car, the widescreen TV, and why shouldn't you indeed? No doubt you've worked hard for the, for the good things that you have. But I would encourage you just to be careful. It's so easy to go down that slippery slope. I mentioned that I, I work often in people's houses and now I'm in, in inst installing systems in there. Once I was at a house and uh, one thing I often do when I'm walking around is I just notice little things if, uh, to see what, what kind of people they are. And it was obvious that this particular, these particular people were Christians. They had kind of Christian books and stuff on the walls and things like that. And um, we were driving away from the job once we finished and uh, my, uh, my colleague said to me, oh, sorry, I said to my colleague, oh, those, those people were Christians. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah, they were. And he said, but they were so materialistic. Now, you and I know it's a little bit more complicated than that. But it's interesting, isn't it? The non-Christian person, 
was much more in tune with the with the the the, um, the Christians shouldn't you know shouldn't be materialistic. And these people with lots of Christian books were the greatest tragedy of the rich fool though is that I think that he just he just so fails to understand himself. He doesn't understand what will make him happy. He assumes that happiness lies in self-indulgence. Eat, drink, be merry. The truth is that these things will never bring true satisfaction. The truth is that to be generous is to be happy. They are one and the same thing. Just picture in your mind's eye right now the most generous person you know or a really generous friend. I would, I would be willing to bet that they are one of the most happy people that you know as well. Generous, to see people enjoy themselves with things that, you have, um, things that you have blessed them with is an inherently enjoyable experience. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that's the reason for that, that it's just great. Don't you just get a kick out of seeing somebody enjoy something that you've given them? If you're a parent, you probably enjoy seeing your children play their things. If you're a friend... Of, uh, then no doubt you enjoy this as well. I mentioned Ebenezer Scrooge. If you know the story, he repented of his foolishness. He stopped being a miser. He became a generous man. And this is how he described himself afterwards. He said, I am as light as a feather, happy as an angel, as merry as a schoolboy, as giddy as a drunken man. If you want to be happy, forget the spiritual aspect of things, be generous. It will make you so happy. So let's just get practical for a second. How do we do this? How do we be generous? Well, the first and most simple thing is that uh, if you see a need, you respond. I was in a supermarket this week and I was kind of waiting in the queue and there was uh, a bit of a kerfuffle at the front of at the, uh, at the, at the, what do you, not check-in, what do you call it? The, yeah, check-out, uh, not check-out, yeah, uh, not check-in. Um, at the check-out, there was a bit of a kerfuffle going on, there was lots of, the assistants of the supermarket were kind of talking to each other and a lot of whispering going on. There was this old lady kind of standing there just looking a bit confused and, uh, and I was just kind of just looking ahead to see what was going on and all of a sudden one of the assistants said, I'm sorry dear, you'll have to go home and, and get your money because you've, because you've forgotten your purse and you won't be able to take your, your shopping home with you. And, uh, and the poor lady, you know, she was, she was obviously a bit embarrassed and uh, maybe perhaps a bit confused. And, uh, but then I saw a man from the next till, not just a punter, not, a, uh, not an assistant, just walk around, take the assistant to the side, put some money in her hand and then walk off. He, he decided to pay for her shopping. What a generous guy. He didn't do it for any thanks. He didn't do it. I have no idea if he was a Christian or I really have absolutely no idea. But he just did it because he, he saw a need. He thought to himself, I can supply the goods here. And he did. What a great guy. Another way that you can give is, of course, through charity. Uh, through charity. And uh, I would encourage you, that if you to do that. And if you do do that, I would encourage you to research carefully charities that you give to. Look for the best way that you can, you can uh, invest your money and give generously. Another way, of course, isn't just through money. It's through time, it's through skills, through resources that you might have. I mentioned uh, there's, there's a, a, an elderly lady that, that Becky and I know who we, see, um, who we see regularly. And to be honest, I think the best thing that we can do to give to her is simply when we pass her house, just to pop in and say hello. 
That's, I don't think she wants any money or stuff, as far as I can tell. Perhaps you can just be a bit creative in how you're generous and how you give to others, how you're thoughtful towards others. So, I hope that we've reached the conclusion that um, to, to be generous is to be wise, to be miserly and, and, uh, and stingy is, is foolishness. But the natural reaction of any human being, I think, is, so you want to be generous with all that I have. Wait a minute. How am I going to survive? I listened to an interview uh, this week of a man called Richard Desmond. And Richard Desmond is the owner of the Daily Express and a few other magazines and newspapers. He's an incredibly wealthy man. But he confessed in the, um, in the interview that he intended to work hard for as long as he could because he feared dying in poverty. His own father had been a wealthy businessman and, and, and basically through a few tragic uh, um, accidents, he himself had died in poverty. And he feared that for himself. So he intended to work, 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 work because he feared that one day he would not have enough to provide for himself. Well, the sad truth about someone like that is that he has missed life's big purpose. And that is to love God and to fully rely upon him. The truth is that although it's so tempting, the fear of future provision, will I be able to survive in the future, has no place in the Christian life. It betrays the fact that you believe that mammon is more trustworthy than Jesus. God promises us eternal riches. He does not promise us earthly riches, but he does promise us enough to get by. He says, consider the birds of the air. Does not God feed them? Consider the lilies of the field. Does not God clothe them? Of course, he is going to feed you. Of course, he is going to clothe you. It would seem like common sense that we keep a, a tight rein on all of our finances, keep it to ourselves, because only then will, will we be okay. The Bible says this, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Earthly blessing will sprout ring, wings and fly away. Eternal blessings never will do. They are kept safe in a vault for us with God himself as the guardsman who never sleeps watching over them, prepared, ready for you and me for when we enter our eternal dwelling. I want to encourage you this morning, don't be a fool. Be generous with what God has blessed you with and you will have an eternal reward that even the idea of keeping the perishing material around us, keeping it to yourself, will seem like not just foolishness, but madness. Now God's, so just to conclude, God's crazy generosity is beyond comparison. He lets us loan back to him the things that he has loaned us in the first place and promising to repay in full 
and even much more beyond that in eternal rewards. But to be honest, that is not the greatest gift that God gives us. Even this amazing generosity pales in comparison to God's greatest gift, the gift of his son. Jesus came, as we've read today, with amazing teaching about how to live our lives, but he did so fully in the knowledge that we were wholly unable to fulfill that teaching. Wonderful though it is. It says in the Bible that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of this, there was a price to be paid. Jesus generously took the tab, paid the price in full. But this bill could not be paid by all the resources, even at God's disposal. Only the perfect life of his son, Jesus, would suffice. So Jesus went to the cross for self-centered misers like you and me. He took the wrath that was due to us and he rose again to eternal life. The truth of the gospel is that anyone who puts their trust and follow him will receive that eternal life as well. If you're a Christian here today, I just want to encourage you to live the generous life that God has called you to. God, in giving you his son, has called us to amazing generosity, not to worry about our earthly possessions, but to fix our eyes on our eternal possessions. I would encourage you that now is a moment to come before God and repent, particularly if you know that you haven't really lived that life. Repent now. Put your trust in him. Maybe you're not a Christian, but you know that you want to live the generous life that I've been talking about today. Well, let me save you some trouble. You won't be able to do it without God's help. Put your faith in him today. Why, why don't we just finish? Why don't we just stand? And I'd just like to lead us in prayer. If you're able to stand, please stand. So I just want to lead us in prayer. So this is maybe just a prayer for, for those who, who feel that God has really called on them to live a, a generous life. Maybe you've, you can look back and uh, maybe times you've done well, maybe times not so well, but you want to turn over a new leaf today. You want to say, God, I want to live generously. Maybe just pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the amazing gift of your, of your life, which you gave freely to me. I thank you. Your generosity is just crazy. But I, and I want, to, I want to replicate that. I want to live life a life just like that help me to be generous with all that i am with all that i have bless me so that i might bless others maybe you can even just as we are right now just be thinking of a few situations where where you could give not maybe not just money maybe of yourself your time your resources how could you do that This is just a little prayer for, for those of you who don't yet know God, but you feel this morning you want to know him. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You gave your life for me. Please forgive me for the, the things that I've done, for my failure to follow you. I want to turn over a new leaf today. I put my faith in you today. I ask you to forgive the bad things that I've done, and I want to walk with you 
through the rest of this life and into eternity. Amen. If, uh, I think it would be great for, for those of you who, uh, who prayed that first prayer the, um, about being more generous. I think it's always good to, to talk to somebody about it. If that's you, we do have a, a ministry team that uh, they meet upstairs on the balcony to, to, to my left, your right. I would encourage you to go up to their talk to them about it. Maybe they'd pray for you and help you just to start that, that journey. For those of you who, who, as I was praying, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus, you want to know him today, I'd, I'd ask you just to come and have a little chat with me. I'd love to, to speak to you, but that's the end of, end of the talk. So I'll hand it back to Luke.